either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Go look now. Starting to feel like summer. More theaters are opening up. Bigger movies are coming out. Just a week away from Memorial Day. We got some big ones this week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. Let's start it with a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas and a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. The best that you can hope for is to die. Oh, Shiza. So they got a limited amount of time to get this done because the government is going to nuke Las Vegas, which is where they've they've kept they've got all mm-hmm. of the zombies because they want to make sure, of course, that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> which the funny thing is, though, that's that's such a perfect setup for this movie. But we were racking our brains because somebody asked me that very question this morning. They I, don't say they it. don't say they it, don't say it, which I is know. great. I'll give them credit for yep. that. Yep. Because Bec- this is, as we said, Zack Snyder and. It, of course, he's coming off the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. But this one, so it's not like he hurried up and filmed this. This has been done for a while yes. and been waiting because it's an interesting release. It's on Netflix, yes, but it's also in movie theaters. Right, and they haven't done that since before the pandemic. And before the pandemic, before everything changed in terms of release dates, what they used to do, Netflix would release it in theaters for a week or two mm-hmm. or more sometimes before they ran it themselves. Yeah. Uh, and this was just day and date, uh, which was an interesting choice. Yeah, uh, but I do... Like so many films, I totally understand. You got Netflix, you want to say, hey, I, I, it's, it's free to me, I can see it. This one would be worth seeing on the big screen. There's a lot going on. And it's Zack Snyder. If you, you know how he does things, and this film brings you all the things that he does. And starting with the fact that it's overlong. Yes, it is. It is two and a half hours long, which is... Too long for a zombie movie. We've got to the point now where people really expect their superhero movies to be two and a half hours. I still have a hard time swallowing that, but there's no way you're going to convince me a zombie movie needs to be this long. And this one doesn't. Although, I have to say, with all the excitement that there was about the Snyder Cut, I could not have cared less. This is the movie I was waiting for because my favorite, and I think yours too, Zack Snyder film is his 2004 reboot of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Dead. I like it very much too. I liked the Snyder Cut better than you did. And I, I, I think I might have liked this movie a little bit more than you did. Uh, it's not great, but it is fun. Uh, I agree with you. It is overlong, but like you said, you've got this walled-off Vegas that they're going to blow. And then this shady kind of business millionaire guy, he comes to Dave Bautista, who has already fought zombies, so he's got the cred, uh, comes to Dave Bautista to get a team together and go in and get the loot that is under one of the casinos and then get out before they nuke Vegas. Um, But then once they get there, they find out that these zombies are not the zombies that you're used to. They've sort of formed a civilization, and they've got leaders, and they've got structure. And you know what else they have? What do they have? They have a zombie tiger. They do have a zombie tiger. Yeah, why why wouldn't you? You're in Vegas. That's right. You're going to have a zombie Elvis? Check. 
Yeah. And you're going to have a zombie tiger, a zyger. Yeah. So, so I give them credit for that. And then, of course, things go awry and they get even more surprises once they are trying to get to the to the vault and get this done. But you're going to have a lot of slow-mo. You're going to have a lot of the stylized set pieces you expect from Zack Snyder. A lot of uh, blood splattering with zombies. And that's what you expect with some zombies, right? Uh, but I totally agree with you. It is overlong, but in the end, I had fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest issue with this, and it might have been that my expectations were too high because he really broke new ground with uh, with Dawn of the Dawn Dead, of the Dead yeah. and he does not break anything new here. I mean, everything is everything is borrowed. The the new type of zombies, they're just right out of I Am Legend. The idea of a heist that was uh, Peninsula, Train to Busan sequel. I, I mean, almost everything about it, to me, felt borrowed, and you can do that. Tarantino does it all the time. He lifts ideas from other movies, but of course, in the end, it's a spectacular movie all on its own. And this one, you know, it, it was fine. It was enjoyable, but I don't know. I mean, it just didn't really do much for me. The rest of the cast, all a bunch of random badasses, but uh, one casting choice of note is Tig Notaro as this real jaded helicopter pilot slash mechanic that is constantly smoking one of those thin cigars and just throwing shade at everybody. It's a funny casting choice. I mean, she's so odd and Anyway, the character itself is certainly one that you expect to see, a cigar-chomping badass. Right. It's just so much funnier that it's her. <laughs> yeah, so. And I think maybe the best thing for me about the movie was the title sequence setup, a montage of how we got to where we are, which, if I'm not mistaken, is also the setup for the Netflix series that will follow yes. this. And I've got to admit, that was intriguing enough to me that I will watch it. Yeah, exactly right. So again, it's in on Netflix, and it's out in theaters, Army of the Dead. Overlong, but overall fun for a zombie movie. Just fun. You know, last week the big movie on Netflix caused us a little controversy. Boy, it did. Because we were the only people who liked Woman in the Window. Very few. In fact, we scanned, first of all, we scanned, we started seeing some of the other reviews come in and they were bad. And then <laughs> we got on Rotten Tomatoes and we're part of the panel, but we looked for other people who called it fresh and they were few and far between. They really were. They However, really were. yeah. I think the good news here, you know, and I think people came into it looking at it differently than we did. We just right away saw the style, and we were all in on the style. And Omar, who listens, he he watched it, I think, right away, too, because it's a, quite a cast, did not care for it. And then and then listen to us just talk about just that, that it was just kind of a blast. And he, he actually was kind enough to rewatch it and give <laughs> us credit, and he said that he found it more enjoyable. And likewise, Melissa on Facebook, she said the same thing, that she had watched underground railroad and mm. needed something to just you know sort of a palate cleanser something not nearly so tough or or i guess important and yeah. based on our review she watched it and felt the same way well you know i i totally get it for people that are not in on the vision they had for telling this story and we're not saying you're wrong i mean if you don't like something you don't like it right but i really i really stand by it i was behind the vision i thought it was that kind of that kind of treatment was really the only way to tell a ridiculous story like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought it worked, but always thank you for the, uh, for the feedback. Always appreciate that. Next is one just in theaters. Dream Alliance is an unlikely racehorse bred by small-town Welsh bartender Jan Vokes. With no experience, Jan convinces her neighbors to chip in their meager earnings to help raise Dream in the hopes he can compete with the racing elites. It's Dream Horse. When you Remember, there's a less than 1% chance this horse will ever win a race. He's definitely got something about him. Spirit. Character. Like his own. We're going to the races. Our horse is going to race! <laughs> 
so proud of you. Seems like anything was possible. The horse from nowhere has captured the hearts of the nation. We lost our jobs, our community, even our pride. And then Dream came along and reminded us what life is like when you are old. Now this one is fun. This one is fun, and you may know the story already. It was only just five years ago, 2016. The documentary version of this story came out. It was called Dark Dark Horse. Very good documentary. Enjoyed it a lot. But I'm not surprised at all that they're making a narrative version because it's it's just like a screenwriter dreamed it up. Right. It's such a rags-to-riches, come-from-behind, sports-cliché type of story, but it really happened. It was the early 2000s, and this Welsh bartender got a lot of the people that either worked in the bar or came into the bar to all chip in their money. They called it a syndicate and breed a racehorse. And that racehorse beat the odds and started winning races, a lot of races, eventually competing for the Welsh Grand National title. So it's all got that true stuff built in. Of course, horses, majestic. You love to see them. Yeah, Tony Collette is the leader of the cast here, although everybody, it's a great ensemble. Tony Collette and then Damian Lewis, plays the guy who he comes into the bar and he's got some racing experience. He's, he knows his way around the track a little bit, so he helps out. But the best thing that this movie does, and it's uh, director Euros Lynn and writer Neil McKay, you've got these built-in sports cliches anyway, and the movie does a pretty good job of keeping them in the background and knowing that the focus, the best thing about the best sports movies is how they transcend sport. And here just as the documentary did, it was the fact that what they experienced with this horse and being uh, part owners just gave their lives new meaning. And if you watch the documentary, you see how choked up they get. I mean, it really is touching. Not only that, but it it gave them the sense that they were a part of something that was a legacy, that they that would outlive them. Right. And so this movie does remember that. And to focus on the characters, even though you're having these, the swelling music and the, a dismissive trainer looking at the horse and going, you know, there's just something about him. <laughs> Those moments are kept to a minimum, thankfully. And uh, it is. It's incredibly feel-good. And it's well acted. And you get to see the regular Joes and Janes, you know, crash the blue blood owner's box. And that's always fun. And also another nice thing, they come up with a a fun new twist on introducing the real people at the end of the movie. Because movies like this, you always want to see, you expect, okay, here come the pictures of the real people that were involved in this. They find a new and fun way to do it. So I appreciated that as well. And it's just got these all these built-in things about it. They're going to they're make it such a, a family-friendly, feel-good story, and they do it well and construct it well without going overboard on the cliché. So yeah, I think there's a lot to like, and it's only in theaters uh, called Dream Horse. Next is a Danish film focusing on Marcus, who has to go home to his teenage daughter Matilda when his wife dies in a tragic train accident. It seems like an accident until a mathematics geek, who was also a fellow passenger on the train, and his two colleagues show up. This is Riders of Justice. You know what I'm just noticing? With just maybe two exceptions, the movies this week are 
fun. They are fun and they are good. I loved this movie. Yep. I loved this so much. I started, I think I told you as soon as, I don't think we were even done watching it. I said the countdown is on right now about how long it takes them to remake this starring somebody like Jason Statham for, for an English-language audience. But, but but see it now. See it now. You know what, though? Mads Mikkelsen does English-language movies. Hire him. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm with that. I mean, this is... Exactly. Don't wait for that. See it now. This is a fantastic movie. You could call it a revenge thriller. You could call it a revenge thriller slash action comedy. You could. It's got all this stuff in it, and it goes all these different places, and it's fantastic. And to tell the truth, it was Matt Wiener who reviewed this movie movie for us on madwolf.com. He agrees 100%. Loved it, gave it four stars. And one of the things that I think is so fascinating about it is that it is, in a way, kind of a riff on the Taken idea, the the Liam Neeson kind of a, uh, you know, special set of skills sort of a... But it really takes it places you do not expect it to go. And it's funny. It's darkly funny. It is. But it it is funny. Yeah. And mainly the humor is supplied by these three geeks. They're like, they reminded me of the lone gunman from the X-Files. They argue about who has the best computer monitor. And this one guy doesn't want to do any sort of research unless he's got a better computer. And they bicker all the time and it's crazy. And Mads keeps telling him, shut up, I'm going to punch you in the face. (laughs) And then they don't shut up and he punches him in the face. I mean, it's just, it's nuts like that. But yeah, they're telling him, look, this accident that killed your wife wasn't an accident. And they think they pinpoint who blew it up on purpose to try to kill this guy that was going to uh, testify in a, in a trial. And so, of course, then he's going to be all Liam Neeson on him. And he has these skills. We're not quite sure why, but that's okay. We don't need to. He can kill some people. And then it just goes in all these different places and has these thoughts about the randomness of life and all the occurrences that lead up before occurrences that change your life that are fascinating. And then at the base of it, you made a great point this morning. It, it's sort of saying, you know, all these action heroes in movies, you know what they need? They need some therapy. They need some therapy. I mean, I really think that, that there is a heart underneath everything to this movie, and a lot of it is simply that... Grief is so hard. It's so hard. You want to make sense of it. You, you're you desperate to make it make sense. And, and in the case of, of this character, Marcus, and a lot of action movie characters, you need a purpose so that you don't have to deal with your grief. And I think it's just lovely after 300 Neeson movies to see a movie that just goes, you know, he'd be a lot happier if he just dealt with his grief. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot, of, a lot of good movies this week. In fact, mo- there's really not a stinker in everything we're going to talk about this week. This is my favorite. Yeah, agreed. I loved this movie. So if you can find it in theaters, definitely see it. Don't wait for the, in- the American remake that's probably coming. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Mads Mikkelsen in Riders of Justice. Hey, how about another horror thriller? Yes, please. A lesbian couple with a rocky relationship goes to a pre-wedding retreat ends up fighting for their lives when a group of militant serial killers tries to murder them. This is called The Retreat. Someone was watching us. Oh my God. This is going to get the boys online pumped up for sure. (laughs) More next, they're going to kill us. Listen to me. We're going to get out. What is wrong with these people? We're gonna kill them. Time to call. This is one 
where I was so proud of you when I was reading over your review. You coined a term that I have learned to love, which is Rambros. Rambros. I, I hope I'm hoping I, I coined that. Can I <laughs> can I say patent pending? Yeah, there's some Rambros that are hunting these women and they they go to this well, first of all, they go to we call it a retreat. You know what it is? It's a cabin in the woods. Never a good idea. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned from movies. Right. So they go there and they're going to meet a couple friends and, and share the cabin and have a nice retreat away from the city because this is in the Canadian wilderness. And they get there and their two male friends, another uh, gay couple, they are not there. Uh, although all appearances are that they have been there recently, but where are they now? And with just a, a minimum of contrivance, they, they figure out quickly that they are being hunted. And the nice thing about it is you're, gonna, you're saying that these couples are gay. Does it matter that it's a gay horror film? No, but then yes. Right. And that's what makes this film stand out, because the more they get into it, the reason that they're being hunted by these Rambros, let's... The filmmakers, and I want to give them credit, it, uh, the director is Pat Mills and the writer is Allison Richards. It gives you a really nice, taut, lean, mean, bloody, yep. bloody horror thriller, but it wouldn't work as well if the characters, if the, the couple was not a same-sex couple, because you brought up a movie that you reviewed that's similar, similar setup to this called What Keeps You Alive. Which is a very good movie. It's a solid, not as good as this, but it's a solid movie. And it is about, it is about a couple, a uh, 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 same-sex couple on their first anniversary and things go south. But it's, and it's, it's interesting because they just happen to be a same-sex couple. There's which no is, reason for it. Which, which is, is which totally is fine. Great, actually. It's great for yeah. that to just sort of randomly be the case. But it isn't necessary. Right. But if but here it is because of the story, the underlying story at work here. If you made this a heterosexual couple, then you wouldn't have the subtext of this being a metaphor for the kind of violent threats that LBGTQ people face every day. Right. And that is the message, and that's why it works so well, where I, where you can say that, okay, it doesn't matter that they're gay, but yes, it does. Right. And it's done really, really well, and even beyond that, it's a really effective horror thriller out in the woods. I've got to survive, and I've got to turn the tables and fight back against these Rambros, because it gets bloody, <laughs> and it gets tense, and it's well done. And also, for anybody that might be thinking, and I... And I think it's kind of natural, maybe, as the story goes along, to start thinking to yourself, well, aren't you kind of stereotyping these Rambros to be all the same type of, you know, gay-hating people? Aha! There's a final scene that is really, really nice to show that the filmmakers know that you might be thinking that, and they have a nice little coup de gras at the end, <laughs> which was an even just just a cherry on top. So so well done, and this is a, a nice bargain on Prime, just five ninety nine. And yeah, there's a lot we've mentioned. There's a lot of good horror movies out right yes, now. Yes, there are. It's great. I guess there's been a backlog maybe with uh, with the pandemic, whatever. But if you like them like we do, you are loving it right now. And I would definitely definitely encourage you to check out the Retreat on VOD this weekend. Next is the story of a family leaving their native Columbia for the United States in the summer of 99. A metalhead science prodigy and his aimless younger brother struggle to align the American dream with their new reality. It's called Blast Beat. If this is real, this could be a groundbreaking idea. I am going to be applying to the Georgia Aerospace Institute. Are your immigration documents in order? Three, two, one. Liftoff! We have a liftoff! Son hermanos. 
me hacen el favor y se apoyan uno al otro. Nosotros tenemos que apoyar el uno al otro como nos dijo el cucho. If you've ever seen Moises Arias in a film, you're likely to remember him. He cuts a very specific image, and I just, uh, you know, he's so good in everything. He really is. Um, I've seen him in a few movies. Mainly, I think the one where he had maybe the biggest role was that Manos, yeah. which was so good. It was so good. He, here he actually plays alongside his brother, who uh, has also been an actor in, uh, in several projects, Mateo Arias and Moises Arias. And actually, Moises plays Mateo, his character name. And Mateo plays Carly, and they're these Colombian brothers, and they're moving to Atlanta, Georgia, with their mother to finally catch up with their father, who's already gone ahead of them and tried to set a home up and everything like that. And Carly is excited about it because he wants to work one day at NASA, and he thinks this is one step closer because he wants to, after high school, he wants to go to the uh, Georgia Aerospace Institute. But Mateo is just, he's the fuck-up of the group, and he doesn't <laughs> want to go, and he's acting up constantly to prove He's unhappy about it. So as they get to America and try to settle in, I will say this is the uh, debut, feature debut, for the co-writer and director Esteban Arango. And even though the movie falls into some young adult stereotypes, what it does the best is he, he knows that if he's trying to, if a filmmaker is trying to make you rethink a hot-button issue, a complicated issue, or even think about it at all, the best way to do that is to take you into it through characters that you care about. Right. And that's what happens here. Even beyond the predictability of some of the plot turns and the YA tropes that it uses, it's still, by the end of it, when when the father is threatened with deportation and the entire family's world is turned upside down because of unscrupulous lawyers and broken promises, by then you are, you're rooting for these people. And so then it's an easy way to impress upon you the fact that even beyond the memes and the, and the rhetoric about immigration, which is an incredibly messy situation, it boils down to individuals with real stories. And, yeah, it's really messy. And maybe instead of just focusing on the hot takes, it's better to remember that, yeah, real people with real stories are involved here. And I think that's what that's the best thing that this movie does. And also two really good performances. You mentioned Moises, who we've seen before. I had not seen uh, Mateo Arias, but the two of them are great together. Right. And their strong performances are, are a real big reason why you care about these kids and their family uh, as much as you do. And that keeps the film interesting, even when it goes over this predictable territory. So this is another bargain rental on Prime, just three ninety nine, And it's a real, it shows really good promise, I think, for this filmmaker, Esteban Arango. Again, this is his feature debut, and uh, it's, it's pretty solid, and it shows a lot of potential. So uh, worth checking out, called Blast Beat. Got a documentary next in theaters. It's an urgent portrait of the last living generation of Hitler's Third Reich in never-before-seen interviews, raising vital questions about authority, conformity, national identity, and their own roles in the greatest human crimes in history. This is Final Account. For the first time on record, the children of Nazi Germany give their final account in what may well be the last testimony of its kind. This is the past speaking to the present. Well, we've been talking about fun as a theme this week. This one, not fun, but 
it's one that is a hard watch, but a necessary watch. It is. I mean, it's it's just a magnificent film. It's amazing what director Luke Holland manages with this movie. And it is. It's really just a, an oral history. But the urgency about it is, you know, you're, you're talking to people who are nearing 100 years old in some cases. That's amazing. And and it's just, you know, to document it, to right. get it down right. in, you know, on film, exactly what it was like. You know, and, and you start off, he's very sympathetic, the filmmaker, regardless of the fact that the film is dedicated to his grandparents who were killed in, in Auschwitz. Um, he doesn't seem in any way confrontational with any mm-hmm. of these people, all of whom were either um, Hitler youth or were, you know, workers in camps, mm-hmm. were camp prison guards, were neighbors to the camps, saw and did nothing yeah. um, uh, what was happening. And, you know, what he's trying to do is get to the bottom of how exactly does that happen? And, you know, and they're very clear eyed in explaining a lot of of how that happened, how they were indoctrinated, what it was like. And um, but as you know, as the movie wears on, he, he, he keeps asking questions. He's digging deeper. And even the ones who are very open and very against what happened, most of them, you get to a point where he's they, they say, I'd like to be done talking about this right. now because he right. does. He says, you know. What's the line? When when do you become a perpetrator? Mm-hmm. Is a question that he asks everyone. Yeah. And and then also yeah. eventually the film becomes so infuriating because he does talk to several people who you know, one denies that it happened. You know, he was there, he was there the whole time. There's no way that six million Jews were killed. Wow. And and another says, you know, he he's still loyal to Hitler. He says he doesn't think that the Jews should have been murdered. They should all have been exported and sent to a different place to live, and that would have solved the problems. You know, I give the filmmaker credit for not just smacking him, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but it's, I mean, it's so just, uh, the the word that comes to mind is vital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you make a great point, and you can really see the point in the title, Final Account, Mm -hmm. before these people who were there pass away, and frankly, before the director passes away. Because, Because, yeah, this was his final film. He actually died just about a month before it premiered. Yeah, so uh, just amazing to get it down and vital, vital watching. But again, as you might surmise from the subject matter, it's a tough watch, but a really worthwhile watch. And it's in theaters uh, called Final Account. All right, let's get back to the fun. And, you know, while we're talking about fun, I did notice that one that we thought was a blast, we did talk about it some weeks ago, but now it's coming out on Shudder, so maybe some more people have a chance to check out Psycho Gorman. Do it. Watch it. (laughs) So fun. They nail the tone. It's just the best. Yeah, PG for short. Do us a favor. If you have Shudder, check it out. I'll be shocked. We'll both be shocked if you don't love it. And that's on uh, Shutter called Psycho Gorman. Okay, another fun one. How about a directionless young campus bus driver and a punk rock Samoan security guard named Pineapple forming an unlikely kinship as they navigate the unpredictable late shift shit show known as the drunk bus? What do you know about responsibility? Everyone get off the bus. Be real. You're terrified of the unknown, and you can't make a decision to save your life. How'd you learn to live in a time loop? I didn't. I broke out. (laughs) Hey, drunk bud! Someone get this guy a beer! Are you on or off? I want to see how this plays out. When this hits home... I remember being I remember being on the late bus at Ohio State when I was in college and it and it is true and I, I can Im- I bartended on the Ohio State <laughs> campus. You want to talk about some scars. 
<laughs> you know, this is just a fun movie. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. You know, it's like it's a hangout movie, you know, but it, and it's very character driven. Yeah. It has some wonderful performances, and it is just a laugh riot. <laughs> yeah, give props to the writers, Chris Molinaro, directors, co-directors, John Carlucci and Brandon Legank, or Leganki. But, uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. And if you're, let's say, of a certain age, you may see a lot of familiarity in some of this. Because everybody, when they're drunk, they think they're so much fun. <laughs> and if you're around these fun people and you're not drunk, you know what they're not? Fun. <laughs> and this guy... Has to work it and drive around on the drunk bus. So yeah, and you'll you might notice um, some faces in the crowd. Um, Kara Hayward from Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom, love her. And introducing uh, the guy playing Pineapple. Pineapple is his actual name. Pineapple Tangaroa, the Samoan, and he cuts quite a striking figure. He does. And that, yeah, it's just uh, again we're talking about fun movies. This is one, and it's out right now on VOD. And the full written review, if you want to check it out from Brandon Thomas, is on MadWolf.com. All right, let's go back to the horror stuff for the last one. This one centers on Camille, a young woman arriving at the Avondale Academy following one of the students' untimely and violent death. What's going on? Maybe we'll hold a seance. I really think we need to tell someone what's going on. What, that we conjured a ghost and now it's killing us? If anything scares you, hit it in the skull. If someone dies in a bad way... The energy imprints on the surroundings. And if you're sensitive, you can pick up on it. Petalvine ghosts rise up to us. I hope you don't make me regret our decision to enroll you. This is writer-director Simon Barrett, and he wrote, he's got a resume, he wrote uh, You're Next, and he he wrote The Guest, Yep. so there's reason to be optimistic here. Yeah, also, uh, he did Blair Witch, the most recent Blair Witch, and he did Dead Birds, which was his first movie, which is a movie that I love. So, yeah, I go way back with Simon Barrett, and I was excited about this. He's not directed a feature, he has directed some shorts, um, uh, most notably in the VHS series, but this is his first feature, and... You know, the the problem with it is not, I would say, direction. It's just that he doesn't really say anything new yeah. um, with the story. It's so, it feels very borrowed from, you know, not even from movies you would borrow from, from like the urban legend films of the early 2000s, just dorm rooms and all-girls schools and seances. You know, actually... Black Coat's Daughter. You had that on yesterday. It was on yeah, TV. Yeah, it just popped up, yeah. And and that's a, just an absolutely brilliant Great. horror film set in a girls' boarding school. And that was what I kept hoping to see as I watched this movie. And I watched a bunch of girls stand in a late-night restroom and, you know, Candyman up, the ghost mm-hmm. of their... It just was so... I, just, I don't know, uninspired. Yeah, and the lead here is Suki Waterhouse, who is really the only big... The only name in the cast and just doesn't bring anything exciting or urgent to the role. No, very anemic, I felt like, you know. He does something toward the end that I think he might have thought was a little bit wild, but I thought it was also pretty tame. I mean, I just, I just, I'm not sure the purpose behind this film. It just doesn't feel much like anything we haven't already seen. Mm -hmm. So not that really blown away by Simon Barrett's first time as a director, but we'll see in the future. And that's Seance out on VOD now. And with that, let's head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
hopping back into the lobby where we find Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, with all the latest news. What's going on this week? Got a lot of horror stuff for you again. Yay! Um, <laughs> for anyone that didn't get to see the Sam Raimi-produced horror movie, then holy, since it's only been in theaters, it will be hitting VOD next week on the 25th, so you'll be able to catch up with that one. Also on the 25th, the extra Borat stuff that we talked about a few weeks ago, Borat Supplemental Reportings will hit Amazon Prime <laughs> on this coming Tuesday in the form of three featurettes. They all have pretty crazy, funny names to go along with the movie. Oh, I'm themselves. sure, yeah. <laughs> so so you'll, you'll be entertained by that for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Magnet's releasing the horror film Censor in theaters on July or June 11th, followed by a VOD release a week later on June 18th. Netflix will put out their Liam Neeson action thriller The Ice Road on June 25th. Steven Soderbergh's crime thriller No Sudden Move will hit HBO Max on July 1st. And then Netflix is rolling out their Fear Street trilogy this July. Fear Street Part 1, 1994, will premiere on July 2nd. Fear Street Part 2, 1978, will premiere on July 9th. And Fear Street Part 3, 1666, will hit on July 16th. Ooh. Uh, apparently, the entire narrative's interconnected, so... You know, it's mm-hmm. not just staying in the specific time period of the titles. I guess the story spans 300-some years. And they're all directed by honeymoon filmmaker Lee Janiak. Okay. So, And keeping with Netflix, on July 24th, they're putting out their female assassin's action thriller, Gunpowder Milkshake. That one stars Taryn Gillen, Lena Hetty, Angela Bassett, Carla Vigino, and Michelle Yeoh. And it's from the people behind Big Bad Wolves. Oh, oh, that was so good. Yeah, so hopefully that one will turn out well. Yeah. And one more Netflix one for you. There's an Italian horror film called A Classic Horror Story, also hitting on July 14th, and they're touting that one as Midsommar meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So hopefully that's as interesting as it sounds. Yeah, it's funny. I was one of the the radio morning shows I called this morning. One of the guys was commenting to me. He said, "Is it me or does it seem like Halloween? There's all these horror movies coming out." I go, "I know it's great. They're everywhere." And I I guess it's between all the holdovers from last year, and then anything that you know horror films can usually shoot on the cheap and fast. Yeah, anything they've shot back in the fall or early this year, and it's all just rolling out like crazy. Mm -hmm. I guess the other really big news of this week is that Amazon is currently expected to purchase MGM somewhere within the ballpark of 5 to $9 billion. Well, you've been saying for a while that they were up for sale, so it was probably only a matter of time, and we've talked before about who's got the money to do it. Amazon certainly does. Yep, we're finally getting to the point where a streamer is going to buy an old Hollywood studio. And mm-hmm. It was inevitable, and it's really not surprising that MGM is the first one to be sold. Yep. They've been limping along for well over a decade now. And other than that, there's a couple of interesting movie announcements this week. Um, Joe Cornish and John Boyega are going to make Attack the Block 2 together. Nice. People that have seen Attack the Block have been wanting this for years. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm glad that they're finally doing it in the wake of you know all of his Star Wars performances. Yeah. Probably made it a little bit easier to get off the ground yep. now. Sure. The Hocus Pocus 2 movie that everyone has been clamoring for for decades is shooting this year. They did get all three original actresses back, and it will come out on Disney Plus sometime in fall of next year. Okay. And then someone is remaking The Hunger. That's actually, I think that's actually a good one to remake, uh, partially because, you know, script-wise, that one was a little wonky. It really coasted on the visuals and the performances. 
but also the original book has two sequel novels, so you know, right? You get yourself a hit, you've got a trilogy. Yeah, and that's all I've got for you. All right, man. You can always check out Daniel the Schlocketeer's latest at the Schlocketeer, and we always appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Okay, well, as we said, next weekend, Memorial Day weekend, always a big weekend at the movies, maybe even more so now that most of the theaters are going to be back open open and running, and they've got a couple big movies to uh, welcome everybody back, starting with Cruella. A Quiet Place 2. Plan B. American Trader. The Amusement Park. That is the lost movie from George Romero. That'll finally be out. Too Late. And Skull the Mask. So we'll see if anything else pops up, but... Uh, that's a good crop next week. We'll talk about that then. But, yeah, any more feedback? Hey, any more feedback on the woman in the window? <laughs> Bring it on. But uh, Or anything about uh, this uh, week's crop of movies, let us know. We love to keep the conversation going on Twitter. That's easy, at Mad Wolf. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. Brand new edition, just dropping, by the way. That's all at MadWolf.com. So, until next week, keep in touch if you can stay well she is hope madden he's george wolf and this is the screening room podcast see ya i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend for dinner bye okay everybody that's a wrap <laughs>